This is Parkinson's Awareness Month, and we'll be talking with someone who has a personal experience with Parkinson's disease. Zach Briggs works for KENS TV in San Antonio. I've known him for a couple of years, and I invited him on uh, to talk about his career in broadcasting, uh, the different places he's been over the last uh, decade that he's been in the business, and his time in San Antonio, and Parkinson's disease, and how he has a personal connection. Zach Briggs, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on our podcast. Yeah, hey, Chris, uh, my pleasure. I, I'm, it, we've known almost, each other for a couple years now, it seems like. <laughs> we have, yeah, definitely. And in this, we almost had to reschedule our podcast. Your station, you were going to go to Arkansas. Can you tell me a little about what was going on? Yeah, so with, with Ken's 5 TV in San Antonio, and there was a, a tornado that was very destructive in Arkansas and 600 people uh, injured, uh, but a couple dozen people were sent to the hospitals, but just the images were just very uh, surreal to see. And that's my previous market. I worked in Little Rock, Arkansas for a couple of years. So uh, corporate uh, for the station I work for now asked me to potentially go help uh, and assist with tornado aftermath and um, I was ready to go, had my bags packed, and but then uh, I got the call to standoffs because I guess they have the help they need from places that are a little closer to um, Arkansas. So I was prepared to go help and be uh, perhaps with uh, old coworkers of mine and uh, buddies, and at the same time doing the news. Uh, uh, on uh, the aftermath of tor the tornado, but I'm 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 sticking around. <laughs> uh, you said you worked there for a while. Was anybody that you know personally, you know, affected, you know, injured by the tornado? No, no. Uh, this tornado seemed to be concentrated uh, on like the west part of Little Rock. I mean, I've seen on social media how some of my coworkers have come across damage uh, not too far away from where they where they live, like just a bunch of tree limbs down. Just debris everywhere. It's it's a mess, and it, it's something that I'm thankful that no one that I knew uh, was injured um, or you no know, had ex significant damage to their homes. But I believe there have been at least a couple deaths as a result of this tornado. And seeing the images of the, the town of Wynn, Arkansas, which is a little closer to Memphis, Tennessee that town or as parts of the town were just obliterated and i've covered at least a couple tornadoes i think there was one in jonesboro I was with a photographer with the station i was working for at the time katv channel 7 news and we went to this town and it was just horrible to, to see how people's lives were turned upside down and be able to you know, tell these stories, uh, talking to the people that are impacted. And I'm just, I don't know if I would be so gung-ho to talk to someone or even have any desire to talk to a reporter. I just lost my, my home, but there are people that are willing to share their stories and, you know, speaking with them and, and their desire to rebuild and somehow having the strength to move forward. And I like hearing those stories and but i do, i kind of want to take a little back trip a little bit mm -hmm. and just kind of hear sure. 
where you hail from, you know, growing up, your family, uh, what, what that was like, you know, as a child? Yeah, so I grew up in Washington State, eastern Washington, a place called the Tri-Cities. People think of Washington State, and they think of the lush green, evergreen trees of Seattle, for example. Uh, but I'm from a more, I guess, desert plateau area. Uh, Pasco, Richland, Kennewick are the three towns. And sometimes I count Hanford because kind of an interesting tidbit that Hanford is where Back in the days of the Manhattan Project of World War II, they produced plutonium hmm. or one of the bombs that was dropped in Japan uh, to ultimately end the war. So that's a interesting. interesting. They have tours and everything, but uh, it's a, a place of many stories for sure. Uh, people coming out with reporting some type of illnesses, et cetera. So, but again, I'm a big history guy, when, especially when it comes to World War II. So I've been to the Hanford Museum and got a tour of where they supposedly produced the ingredients for a bomb that was dropped in Japan. Over 150,000 people, I believe. And every time I go back, it's something, there's a new hotel, a new uh, restaurant, it's it's ever-growing. But yeah, I've, uh, I'm an only child, so <laughs> every time I go back, it's a, it's a big deal, I guess, uh, not only for me, but for uh, my parents and my grandmother that lives across the street. What age were you when you decided, hey, I think broadcasting is the direction I want to go? Mm, it's kind of hard to pinpoint... An, an age, but I've always loved writing as a kid and more fictional than anything. And I grew up reading The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings books. And I would write my own adaptations of the Tolkien world, the world of Middle Earth, or I'd just, with my friend during recess, we would write on college ruled paper uh, instead of playing outside occasionally we would uh, stay indoors and write our own stories about mainly in fantasy settings i think some of those stories still exist i, I, I might have converted them some of them to like a microsoft word on this old nine, windows 95 computer that i had but i don't i think that was disposed of at some point but Watching news was always a big deal in my home, whether it was, a, whether it was simply white noise or on while uh, eating dinner. Uh, we'd you know, dedicate our time to watching local news and all of the networks, uh, the 24-7 networks, you know, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, I'd watch them all. And at some point, as I got closer to graduating from high school, uh, certainly years before I did graduate, because I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to get on with my life and start working. Uh, this desire to write and this curiosity about the world and communities and how I could tell stories about what's going on uh, eventually turned into me going to Washington State University and graduating, finishing off my associate's degree and doing two years at WSU and getting a degree in communications, emphasis, broadcast journalism. 
So uh, when I was a kid, my uncle used to be in the business, no longer is anymore. Okay. He was in the sports world, though, so I'm not a big fan of sports, except when it comes to college football, WSU. Uh, the days of Mike Leach are probably my favorite. Um, but uh, attending uh, this invitation from my uncle to see what he does at KTLA in Los Angeles uh, and seeing the, I guess, the process of going from the makeup room to the, the studio, was, which was all I got to see, was interesting. I was, I was pretty young, but I remember seeing everything, and there's this interesting glamour about it. But I think that was also a slight aspect as to why I wanted to get into the broadcast side of things, not for the glamour bit, but just be able to use my voice and be able to tell stories in, in that medium, um, radio, Another form of broadcast was something I was also considering and something I still consider to this day, uh, pursuing one day. But yeah, I mean, I've been in the business now since 2014. I started out in Helena, Montana, and that was fantastic. I started, I was in a, a, at a bureau station. The main station was I mean, two hours away in Great Falls. And I was thankful to have veteran reporters at this bureau station. I'm kind of surprised you know, for a bureau to have kind of a sizable staff, uh, a newspaper reporter, former newspaper reporter, and a guy that had been in TV and radio for decades. And I was always helping, um, being helped by them and asking questions. Because without uh, them, it would have been probably a little bit more of a challenge uh, to develop my skills and as a journalist from video work to, to writing. But Helena was a great opportunity because I, I enjoy covering politics and we have that's the capital. Mm -hmm. Smaller town, so it was easy to get there and um, wildfires were one of the more common breaking news type stories. Uh, it doesn't seem like I've covered more wildfires than when I was in Montana, then I was very grateful for uh, the people I've met in Montana. And then, you know, this business is, seems like people have this goal of moving up, uh, getting to larger markets. So two years later, uh, I'm in Tucson, Arizona. And that was fantastic. I worked for the NBC station there, NBC affiliate. More wildfires, different kinds of wildfires, and just a general assignment, uh, city, county, government, and uh, anything in between, really. Right. But uh, most recently was in Little Rock, Arkansas. And there, uh, I, uh, another capital city, enjoy capital cities, more politics, being in that environment. Uh, I think one of the more prominent stories I covered, I just kind of still think about is the, the floods. There was a massive flood um, about and through the Arkansas River and devastated communities, small homes, homes lost, people's lives forever impacted. So again, the natural disasters tend to lend themselves to doing many stories of uh, showcasing how people can come together in tragedies and try to rebuild and you know, through faith or 
whatever. I mean, they do what's needed to overcome and conquer and try to move on in some way. And those are people stories are vital uh, to showing people around the world how communities are impacted and how they unite in times of tragedy. So then I've been in San Antonio, joined at the beginning of the pandemic, which was very unique. The, for the first year, interacting with coworkers mainly over Zoom or WebEx, or well, there's so many of these <laughs> programs these days, uh, Blue Jeans by Verizon, we're using currently. But it was a it was a kind of a challenge, I would have to say. I mean, the app. I mean, the, being a new employee, I'm not wasn't the only one, that's for sure. And starting out at a, at a new job is interacting with folks through uh, video conferencing. But I, for the first year, I was working as a nightside reporter, so we always got photographers uh, when we worked nightside. And Ken's Five is the CBS CBS affiliate in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I got to have that uh, privilege and luxury of working with uh, wonderful photographers and the other nightside uh, reporter, um, nightside team, and uh, lots of stories about the pandemic. Uh, so many angles, very devastating, obviously, throughout the world, including here in Texas, uh, the hospital. Hospitals across town is struggling to keep up with the the demand to be able to accommodate enough beds for people that are on the last legs of life. People of all ages, really, not just older individuals or people with prior health conditions, people that were seemingly healthy, right. severely ill, even died. And done plenty of those stories and it's you're never desensitized to to death or to people that have fallen ill because each person has a family friends community members community members that care about them and it's yeah it was it's been a a tough road for sure uh, for a lot of people during the pandemic in, including the health workers first responders and journalists. So I've enjoyed my time here I'm at, in San Antonio. It's, I'm in my is it third year. Well, I've been three years in June. So we'll see what's what's next. But my my passion still lies with uh, telling stories in some fashion. Coming to a new city, uh, you know, having to know the geographic area, learning, you know, uh, finding a place to live, meeting new people, finding out the way the city works. I was just curious if that first story in that in that new city stands out at all for you in any city. Yeah, it doesn't really stand out to me. I think I was just flooded with the 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 challenges of the pandemic and everything. I'm sure it was something COVID related, COVID-19 related, and that of itself despite not knowing, certainly impactful, um, but I'm pretty sure it was something to do with COVID-19. Uh, my, pre- my previous markets, I, mm-hmm. I can't really, I could actually recall in Little Rock, my first assignment was, it was a shooting of some sort that took place at an off-campus 
student housing complex. But this is somewhere, I think it was Conway, Arkansas, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I was a, with a photographer, and the shooting had happened, I think, early in the morning, and we had traveled down, uh, traveled up to the university to see if we could you know, speak with someone that was impacted. And I think we spoke with just a resident of that apartment complex who recalled hearing the shots and just as a student and how this is kind of unheard of in this particular area. So that's, I can recall the first story uh, in Little Rock for sure. What's it like? I mean, I've lived in Texas my whole life. Uh, you know, what's it like going across the country and then and I assume that, you know, these different states you live in and cover the news, it's it, it's a different feel. I mean, what's it like trying to to adjust? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways you could answer this. I mean, just from, you know, you know culturally uh, to how a station runs and operates. Uh, but I've always been an e one to easily adapt to different areas and and climates, not just in terms of weather, but of, as what I just said, uh, different vibes of life and uh, perspectives and political uh, allegiances and re religious uh, emphasis. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been fantastic. I easily sink into San Antonio. It doesn't feel too much different from other places I've lived. Um, I'd say Tucson, Arizona uh, is the most, I guess, similar when it comes to it. I mean, I think it's been a, I mean, a lot of people look like me. I'm a, on my mother's side, she's of Mexican heritage. My dad is a host of Europeanness, mainly English. Um, so, and I grew up in Eastern Washington where there is a sizable uh population of you know, people that speak Spanish you know, from various Spanish-speaking countries. I don't know Spanish myself, so sometimes people come up and say, hey, they're speaking, sorry, <laughs> very minimal. Uh, but it's nice to be in a place where there's some familiarity um, and of, I guess, just in terms of culture. I mean, extent of food I like ranges, but I like um, Tex-Mex food and I like medium rare steak with a mountain of garlic mashed potatoes. Uh, I guess when it comes to other aspects, like I love you know, walking and running finding great paths in town uh, to routinely, this exercise or just de decompress. On the, I mainly just have time to do that, it seems like on the weekends. When I was working nightside, I could, I'd have to go until like 2 p.m. So I was able to get things done earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and coming come here, I work nightside more often. So it was kind of an adjustment in that regard. You know, in, a, in the world of TV news, there's, you don't know really what shift you're going to be working on. All, all, you'll be tossed around, and, and I'm always willing to fill in when people are absent or need to provide additional help for coverage. I mean, I've helped on the early morning show several times, and that was kind of an adjustment because I didn't do it much in my previous market. I did it for like six months in Tucson, but it wasn't my cup of tea, I would say, um, just because of it seemed like the type of stories 
I did. Uh, they seem to be more just lighthearted. Uh, again, I'm a like <laughs> I could be a light. I enjoy lighthearted stories, but for I like more of the hard news aspects and when it comes to early morning news coverage, which I'm able to do plenty of that uh, here in San Antonio. Uh, there's always some uh, unfortunate situation that happens, a shooting or a, a car accident, et cetera. Do you, I'm not talking about the actual station you worked at, but in all these different stops that you've had you know, around the country, is there a favorite city that you just, you like the vibe, you like the people, the, the climate? Yeah, I think uh, Tucson, between Tucson and, I mean, there's an amalgamation of places I really enjoy, but I think Tucson for me is, if I had to choose immediately, it would be there because, I don't know, it was a, a, a good, wonderful environment. I, I enjoy the the people, of the just the, the vibe of the community. Uh, the downtown isn't too massive. It's has a very college, young uh, college vibe about it. I mean, I'm 29 now. But still, I played my clarinet for fun uh, on the, along the Fourth Avenue pedestrian tunnel, which also had occasionally this not a train, but some type of rail uh, system that would rail car that would go through. And uh, on weekends, I would perform for fun and not not for money, just because I didn't want to annoy my neighbors at my apartment complex with uh, New Orleans jazz music. So I would play there on weekends, and it was well lit, and the colors changed. It was like a rainbow of colors that would alternate uh, throughout the evening, and just people are very friendly. And I, that's where I got to, you know, it took me some time to get the courage to even play in, in a public setting like that. And some people would just stand and watch, you know, get nervous. I just prefer the people that would walk and admire and uh, perhaps drop a few bucks here and there. But uh, it was, uh, I think, help playing in front of people like that, that developing that courage, maybe can also help me in my, my job uh, to be able to come up to people, especially for stories when we have to get members of the community, their perspectives on a, a topic we call in the business man on the street. Uh, I've heard other news work, uh, news directors or people in the business call it something else. We're not as much of a prettier term, but uh, MOS being kind of useless. But it helped uh, playing the clarinet in front of people develop this courage, I think, was helpful for me uh, to you know, come up to people and just talk to them like, everyday people and not have not be nervous about it i think you've developed you, uh, you develop a, a thicker skin being in tv news because when you do stories sometimes not everyone's gonna like you and you, you'll do a story with someone that you uh you, you perhaps admire has been fantastic in the past but when it comes to this more negative story that they got to realize yeah yeah this is uh may not be as pleasing uh, but most folks you, you gotta they understand that and it's important to keep a professional relationship with individuals uh, you don't want to burn bridges you don't want to be seem too buddy buddy with them uh, because there might be that as it as i kind of was alluding to might be stories where you got to ask tougher questions 
um, that might put them in a, a a more difficult spot. So, I want to talk a little bit about technology and how news gathering has changed. You know, 25 years ago when I started, you know, we were the station I was working at in San Antonio. They were editing on S Super VHS tape, and you know, I started out in production but I wanted to get into news and edit and shoot. So after the news, everyone's gone. I go and get some tapes and start practicing, teach myself the, the way the system worked and how to edit. And then when I felt I had a good grasp on that, you know, I get grab some cameras, um, go shoot some footage. And eventually, I, you know, I did get into news and I would hear guys back then talk about how back in the 80s, they have these huge things that they have to put on their shoulder to carry the deck for the tape and then have to big carry the camera. And then they ended up having needed shoulder surgery because they, they were just so darn heavy. And even back, you know, when I started, those cameras were, to me, heavy. Uh, but now everything's, it's lighter. You got high definition quality. You've got these computers that can do these amazing special effects. And, you know, I couldn't do back then, you know. What do you think it would be like for you to have to, like, first of all, edit on tape and not have the advantages that, that we've got with computers now? Yeah, I can't imagine working in those days and editing tape to tape. I was talking about with a photographer friend of mine at Ken's about the days uh, of editing in that way. And it was, they're talking about it as if it's this relic of the past from decades ago. I guess it kind of is, but for me, it's just kind of unheard of. So the technology has certainly changed over the years and made it more streamlined for people that are starting out in the business because when you start out in tv news most likely you're going to be what they call a multimedia journalist one-man band so many other terms or you're shooting editing and writing all yourself you'll have assistance for live shots uh, but again, we could get into that, the topic of live shot safety um, in a bit, maybe. Uh, but it's changed for the better, I'd say. I mean, we have smaller cameras, uh, but sometimes I prefer the bigger ones because they could do more uh, than the small, smaller ones, especially when it comes to focus and zoom. But for mobility purposes, uh, the smaller cameras are much better. And if, if you were to do a ride along, for example, with law enforcement or a farmer, it's much easier to hold something that's uh, maybe slightly bigger than a, a, a your smartphone than a big kahuna of a contraption that you're going to be struggling with, which I did do a, a ride-along in when I worked in Tucson with, I think it was the sheriff's office, I had a bigger camera, and it was a little bit more difficult to get the shots I wanted without feeling uncomfortable in the passenger seat trying to manage my way holding this massive camera right. but with the little cameras are just using a combination of equipment you know have gopros have unique to have unique perspectives you have you, you could use your phone these days especially when it comes to maybe getting a for example i've seen in this the san antonio market especially uh, you don't have time your photographer maybe doesn't have time to take the camera off to chase down a political official to ask him or her questions about something. So 
I think the, the, the smartphone will do the trick. And phones these days have some decent audio. It's good to have, a, I guess, a, a steady hand. That's all it takes. So, so there's so many ways that people have been able to capture video and audio and turn it into a creative, attractive product that we see on online and on air. Right. When it comes yeah. to editing, I've used so many editing softwares. Started out, remember back in, as a kid, I would you know, put together videos of my video game gameplay. I used to play Halo 3. I was I still play it to this day. It's a came out in 2007, and I still play it. So right. that's only that's I'm pretty much addicted. Uh, but uh, I you would compile like montages of clips um, from my gameplay and use Windows Movie Maker, which is I think was pre-installed on most PCs back in the day. Uh, I feel like Windows Movie Maker, the way it's changed, it, it's not as in depth that a lot of features seem to be missing. I think it's this age of trying to be more simple, perhaps. But I enjoyed the old, I forgot which version of it, but it was a version that I would use quite a bit. So I, I was editing back as a kid. But being in this business was the first, I think, in, in Montana. I think it was, I think it was Final Cut, Final Cut 7 and Final Cut, Final Cut 10. And that was very easy to, to grasp. I think Final Cut 7, something with older versions. Older versions tend to be better than the, new, the newer right. ones. Uh, and then I used in Arizona something called Velocity. And some people nicknamed it um, Atrocity because it had so many issues. But again, they're all pretty much the same. Uh, Avid, we learned that in school. I'm sure maybe you. Mm -hmm. Have touched Avid in your yeah. days, um, and then I use Adobe Premiere. Have it on my personal computer, and that's what we use for day-to-day -day coverage um, at Ken's. So it's it can be a lot to manage as a multimedia journalist, especially in deadline, anxiety-ridden situations where perhaps you're in Uvalde and maybe you're by yourself or any other location that's far away and doesn't have reliable internet and maybe there's a boatload of other journalists there to somehow affect the the ability to send video back quickly so right. you gotta find a like a Starbucks or any other like I, I, there's a hotel in Uvalde I would go to quite a bit. But anyways, in general speaking, it can be difficult to manage all of those uh, things at once. Um, so if you have the opportunity to be with a photographer to help edit and to help shoot your video, it's going to be a much better product. And though there are those, I know of a few individuals that it looks like they're shooting with a photographer, but it's all themselves. Mm -hmm. Those people are very rare, though, I, I have to say. Um, I, I Very... Much admire their work, but I know that my my work will always be much better <laughs> with a photographer. But I enjoy the creative process. You have full creative control. I still find I still find myself uh, feeling a little hesitant on, to certain photographers. Did you get that that that? Because uh, I don't want to offend them, <laughs> make it feel like I'm offending them. But there are certain individuals that have been in the business for decades, and they're totally comfortable. They you you talk about what you want. 
I have right. an idea. And they're already shooting stuff that I would have, I don't need to ask about. I'm like, fantastic. It's, you develop a relationship with photographer mm-hmm. and you begin to have an idea what each other has an eye for. And it makes it that much more enjoyable to work and come to work every day. Otherwise, I would, you're just working uh, by yourself, and I enjoy the solitude. <laughs> but, and uh, again, working with a photographer uh, is something that I, th- I feel like should be emphasized uh, more if stations have the resources to do so. Stay tuned on the next edition. We will continue with Zach Briggs from Ken's Five.